David McKinney, episode 15. Did you ever see that we'd make it here? No. I thought we would be three episodes and done. Because of lack of interest on our part or just that nobody would listen to us? Uh, probably a little bit of both. We, you know, we, we were just talking about this before we went on the air. And we talk about this kind of every week that this is becoming a little bit of a phenomenon. Uh, people listening that, you know, people hitting us up that we hadn't talked to in years. People sending us random t-shirts up with our logo on it. And uh, it's been pretty cool. People sending us their bourbon collection. Yeah. People talking about their awesome beer that they have. That is strange that the people that you've connected with throughout life that share the same things that you do and how you how you like rekindle even a conversation with them. Yeah, I mean I think a lot of it, it's interesting, you know, I go to, you know, people that I haven't seen in a while and you know they hit me up and they say, Hey, I've been listening to your podcast. Oh, wow. Okay. I, you were not who I thought would be listening to it, but awesome. Thank you. So what's well, different uh, because when we did MMA podcast, we knew who was listening. Like we know we've talked about that before. We knew our audience. We knew who was going to tune in, who was going to tune in to hear about whatever specific thing we're talking about. But people don't like, do you read descriptions of podcasts before you, like if you're listening to whatever, uh, like a you specific read episode, the episode or... chart to see who's on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Um, it, it because it, the few podcasts I listen to, a lot of them are um, that you know you can you don't have to listen to every single episode. Like I really like stuff you should know, um, which is kind of a nerdy one. Um, I let uh, listen a little bit to like Reply All, um, and then I I really like like the anthology podcast too. So podcasts that are kind of like a series, like, you know, Serial. Like Serial? And, um, yeah. Serial is one of them. Um, and now I can't remember the name of it, but there was a really good podcast a couple years ago that I was obsessed with about uh, the U.S. Uh, World Cup soccer team. That was awesome. Um, so I like listening to podcasts like that, too. I listen to um, Cincy Brewcast, which you and I were talking a little bit about um, this week. Uh about how great uh, the gnarly gnome, how how he kind of is where we I think eventually aspire to be with his quality and his his show as a whole, and he's been doing it for a super long time. Um, he always says it's an excuse for him to get out of the house and go to a random brewery every week and tell his wife that it's work so that she doesn't get mad at him, <laughs> which I like. That might work, except the you know. We're in a pandemic. Yeah. It's a lot harder to find. Because, you know, we we have been going places, but only a select few that we know for sure. You know, there's plenty of space outside. Um, people are taking, you know, the whole social distancing seriously. So there's not. But I will say breweries and, and you know, we went to Wooden Cask, what, almost a month ago now. Mm-hmm. Um they were definitely taking it serious. They had their tables nice and spaced out. Breweries have been, I think, set up, you know, specifically for, um, not specifically for this, but I don't think that was the idea. But I think it's a great place if you want to get out. If you're into beer, craft beer, if you're into, a lot of them have wine, a lot of them have spirits. If you're into that type of thing, um, breweries for the most part 
that I've seen have, have definitely been taken serious. And it's a, most of them are not like hugely crowded, um, for the most part. So if you're going to, you know, a random brewery on a Thursday or Friday night, right. Um, a lot of them, even, even on the weekends will close at, you know, 10 or, or 11. So, um, it's not like it's a party atmosphere. So if you are listening to this, trying to figure out where to go and you want a place that might be safe, I think a brewery is a really good option. And if you need one as a recommendation, let me know. Whether you're in Cincinnati, anywhere in Ohio, I've been to a bunch in Kentucky, all over the place. Florida. Flo- yeah, Canada, a ton in Florida. India. Yeah. One in Canada, actually. Um, even before I was into breweries. I actually went on a wine tour in Niagara Falls, and we stopped at a brewery. A wine tour. Listen, you're so sophisticated. <laughs> so, yeah, very sophisticated guy. If you've made it this far in the podcast, instead of waiting to the end, I'm going to say hit that like and follow button wherever it is that you find this podcast. Take a second, leave us a review, give us a rating on Apple, whatever, share it with a friend, share it with somebody that you might think enjoys bourbon or craft beer or ramblings about stuff that beards, beards. Yeah. Free stuff. We've really neglected the beards over the last 14 episodes. Well, we have we gave away. Um, we need to do a beard episode. Yeah, I'll try to grow out a beard. It's kind of hard when you can't grow a beard. Maybe by episode 100, I'll have a beard. If you stop, I'll have like a right little goatee. I'll have a little goatee. Have a little goatee maybe. <laughs> so we're gonna go over some things this week that interest us. Do you want to go with uh, Goose Island? With what yeah. So on? mixing the um, best of both worlds. Yeah, so every year, um, and I, I've kind of gotten more into barrel-aged beers, I think, recently, within even the past couple years. Goose Island is an OG for, for barrel-aged beers. Um, they've released since the 90s a uh, beer called Bourbon County brand stout, um, imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels. Um, and this week, they released their six variants, and... Um, I'll quickly go through them. They've got a uh, Kentucky Fog Stout, which is a London Fog Tea Latte drink with Earl Grey tea and black tea with some clover honey in it. That sounds one sounds horrible. That's like their off the wall one, I think. Um, they do like a, a, a really random one every year. Disclaimer: um, I don't Bourbon like County. beard, or I don't like craft beers that I know of yet. Yeah. <laughs> so when Bourbon I'm County just special, hearing that. Yeah, but we're, we'll get down the list. I think it goes. Uh, we're we're building up. We're building up. Bourbon County okay. Special Number Four Stout, Oatmeal Stout Base, Intelligentia Coffee, a Bourbon Barrel Aged Maple Syrup, which that sounds delicious, uh, from Bissell Maple Farm in Jefferson, Ohio. That one sounds pretty good. I, I I've heard uh, Bourbon Barrel Aged Maple Syrup is really good. Um, maybe we'll have to try that. Um, like just the syrup bourbon. Yeah. The syrup is aged in bourbon barrels. Listen, fat boys dream. I I had a bourbon infused, uh, barbecue sauce recently. That was really good. So I'm into anything bourbon. Uh, uh, let's see. Where were we? Bourbon County caramella ale. This one's a wheat wine. It's not a stout. 
A wheat wine aged in larceny weighted bourbon barrels. So we had larceny last week mm-hmm. with flavors of apple, larceny. cinnamon, and caramel. Um, so it's a, interesting, a wheat wine aged in a weeded bourbon barrel. Um, that one sounds interesting. A proprietor's bourbon county stout, a stout inspired by Spumoni, uh, which is a frozen Italian dessert with cherries, pistachio, chocolate, and vanilla. I think that's kind of the on the one for the, the, the people with the sweet tooth fan. And then here's the two main events, the co-main event and the main event. Birthday Bourbon County Stout, a stout aged in barrels that once held Old Forester Birthday Bourbon. That's a big boy right there. Yeah. And Anniversary Bourbon County Stout. So they they do a really good one every year. This year, there were rumors it was going to be Eagle Rare, but no. It's Weller's. Aged Mm. for two years. The beer aged for two years in Weller 12-year bourbon barrels to commemorate the 10th anniversary of Goose Island releasing Bourbon County Stout on the day after Thanksgiving. What is the price point for that, do you think? Because so, Weller 12-year-old is not cheap. I don't think that they release the price point, but these usually are um, they're 16-ounce bottles, I think, 16.9-ounce, and they usually range from, and it depends on where you are um, with beer, but in Ohio... They usually range from like fifteen to twenty-five. Um, they did one with in Pappy barrels, of like maybe five years ago. I think that was like maybe thirty-five or forty bucks. Um, but these are so. And the funny thing about it, um, Goose Island was, you know, they've been releasing this beer since nineteen ninety-two, and they were always one of the the best known, most respected craft breweries. Um, and then they got bought out by Anheuser-Busch, and they really started mass-producing these. And the, the I think the demand maybe went up slightly, but their production went up immensely. And uh, I think they kind of saturated the market with this. And also there's hundreds, if not thousands, of other bourbon barrel-aged stouts that come out that are you know just as good, if not better, uh, than than this but this is still an og i've had a i've had a few of these um and they are typically you know very good um but they're they're it's that type that you drink you drink on like a special occasion now with that being said do you think that i could get you to drink either one of the two i actually have three three that are uh they're all aged in bourbon barrels but right um, the the ones that are specifically uh, the Old Forester and the Wellers. Do you think that's something? These are dark stout beers. It's not one that you know, you're drinking. You know, sixteen ounce bottle. You might want to split with three or four people, so you're getting three to four ounces of this. Is this something that you would want to try? I would for sure as try a bourbon it. guy who doesn't drink beer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm not a heavy like dark beer guy. That I know of, I might be. I don't know. I really need to try some more. But <laughs> you know, we, we have talked about like the old Forester uh, birthday, you know, because it comes out and it's a uh, yeah, that's kind of a big deal. Um, and then yeah. of course a twelve-year-old Weller, you know, that's a. I just don't see when you mix the flavors. Maybe the bourbon would 
overstate how bad I dislike beer and make me a fan. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, I will definitely say um, beer has gotten me more into bourbon. I think because it's a like it's like a half step into bourbon and you can start to get that, you know, those bourbon like essences. You can you can definitely taste some of that, you know, no matter how hard they, you know, pull apart the bourbon barrels and squeeze out every last drop of it that they can get, you're still going to have some bourbon flavors in there. Um and you get that, you know, the oak flavor, you get like the sweetness of the bourbon. Um, I think that bourbon barrels do a really good job. You know, they do a lot for beer. Um, and I think that the specifically the bourbon flavor um, helps enhance, especially if you're going for a big, boozy, you know, uh, Russian Imperial Stout that, you know, by itself might be 11 or 12% with, uh, you know, aged in bourbon barrels. It might be 13, 14, 15%. Um, so you're, I mean, these are big, heavy beers that you want to drink in the winter to, to really warm you up. Like a lot of bourbons. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, big, like, you know, heavy spirits like that, I think really, um, play well in the winter. And, uh, it's, it's definitely interesting to, uh, you know, to, to try some of these in the winter. Not really something I would do in the dead of summer, but, it gets you thinking about, you know, they release these on Black Friday every year, and uh, I might have to grab a, a bottle or two. Of course, the two that are going to be the most sought after are the two that I want, so um, you'll probably be able to find that London Fog on shelves in July of next year. Yeah. So, where is Goose Island from? Because they say Bourbon County, and that's literally yeah, one so they're county in, over from where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, they're in Chicago. Oh, fuck, um, so they're not the, even in Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah, so they um, they originally called it Bourbon County Stout, and then I think that uh, what's the is it Je- not Je- is it Jefferson County? Is that what it's the name of the county? Where it's Bourbon, or is it actually called Bourbon County? It's a, there's actually a Bourbon County here. Yeah, so I think that they got sued, or they had got a you know our old favorite cease and desist, so they changed it to Bourbon County Brand. Stout, but everyone, it literally is Bourbon County in giant letters, brand in tiny little letters, Stout. So people, everyone calls it Bourbon County Stout, but um, yeah, so it's, they, you know, and again, they were, people still, I think, there's not as much hype around a lot of these anymore, but they were really one of the first people that were, that were doing it. So, um, you know, it, it really gave them a, a lot of a lot of credence and you know, anyone that's first doing it. And then they, you know, there's so many copycats of, um, you know, follow, you know, people that follow up. So I don't know. I, I like I said, I'm, we might have to grab some of these and try them in the winter. I'm down. Are you, we've talked about wings on this show before. I, and yes. I am not a wing guy. I'm a, for all intents and purposes, a, a nugget guy. I like, boneless variety of of chicken boneless wings wings. but are you a are are you a buffalo wild wings fan you know the i used to like buffalo wild wings the the company and i I feel like they've gone downhill a lot recently um they i like the flavors of their sauces 
Their right. actual wings are, they leave something to be desired. I'm a more of a breaded wing fan. Their wings are not breaded. Um, I'm more of like a Roosters fan. Yeah. Had, I think there's a Roosters down in Lexington. So. We ate at Roosters together um, once. Yes. You got the big breaded, you know, oversized chicken wings. Um, Buffalo Wild Wings is, their wings are a little smaller, but I do love their sauces. They've got a uh, really good, like, Caribbean jerk. They've got a good, um, like, spicy garlic flavor. Um, I'm so basic. Yeah, I do like, yeah. I'm so bad because I'm a honey barbecue. Yeah. That's See, it. I, that, that, that I need, if, I, if I'm enough. eating wings, I need them to be spicy. Really? I can't do spicy. I don't know. I'm yeah. like I said. I'm just super basic. The reason I bring like up when I go to roosters. Wings. No, go yeah. ahead. Well, when I go to roosters, the, tell you a little secret. <laughs> I get their donkey, which is their third hottest flavor, or maybe second hottest flavor now. Donkey mixed with garlic. Does that? I so I've tried hot things. It's not that I have not. It's not for lack of trying. But I don't like hot things that are hot just to be hot. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like hot with flavor. Yeah, I don't it's like gotta have some kind of flavor. Either. You know, yeah. it's like bourbon. It's gonna burn regardless, but it's what happens yes. after that that matters. And I've yet to find. You know, I love watching hot ones though on YouTube, but I would just never. People. I wouldn't try any of those. People eating hot stuff. Yeah. Wouldn't try any of those. But Buffalo Wild Wings has partnered with my favorite distillery, Buffalo Trace, to come up with their own signature brand. Uh, and they're offering a single barrel select Buffalo Trace straight bourbon whiskey with a special release. So I saw this article. I was like, hell yeah. I love Buffalo Trace. Only available in Georgia, Nevada, Florida, Colorado, and California. You know, hot beds oh. for bourbon. Yeah. So well, <laughs> that that just like why, you know? So we've got to. So what you're saying is we've got to take a trip. <laughs> yeah, we'll go to Georgia. Um. So, one of the things about Buffalo Trace that I that draws me to it as well is the master distiller. Has the same name as my son. So Harlan Harlan Wheatley. Uh, so he picked a small batch, which is a badass like, name. Is like twenty. It's a mix out of, like it's a blend of like twenty barrels, right? Whereas you could get a Jim Beam. That's thousands of barrels. Um, so when you and I've got a small batch as my selection tonight, but you know we talked about micro nano breweries how many how much they produce this is when you talk about small batch bourbon you're talking about 20 to 50 barrels a small batch right yeah so he picked these out uh, <clears throat> to be honest so you know, it's probably a yeah. money grab he's like this ain't very good we're selling the b-dubs uh the the ones that this article we were on mashed which is I guess it's like a mashed potato uh, fan site. Um, <laughs> but he said uh, the casks he chose provides a rich and smoky bourbon whiskey that has a dark fruity finish. If I'm eating wings, that's the exact type of bourbon I want. I want like a little bit of smoky flavor uh, in there. I want. I don't want like a 
super heavy fruity flavor. Um, you don't want sounds a like a good pairing. Exactly. Yeah. I usually drink uh, either a lager uh, from a beer standpoint. Either a lager because the lager I feel like cuts down on some of the spiciness, or an IPA, which cuts which adds to the spiciness. Uh, that you know the, the bitter hop flavor it kind of like wrecks your palate a little bit to begin with and then you just throw some hot some spice in there and you're like you can't taste anything for the rest of the night usually for a week after too see have you seen people do like the is it the atomic is that what beat ups has the atomic wing that Blazing. You have to sign a waiver, whatever it is. Yeah. I've done the Blazing Challenge. I used to have a t-shirt. I don't know where it is now, though. Did did it hurt you? So I did. So you can either do 12 wings in six minutes, or you can have two people who do it six wings in three minutes. I did it in like two minutes and four seconds. Wow. Yeah. You're such a... It was fine. I was fine during the challenge, but then after it was, uh, yeah, it hits you pretty hard (laughs) and you can't have any water, milk, nothing. You can't have any for how long afterwards? Uh, just during until you finish. Yeah. Uh, and which is fine because it doesn't hit you while you're doing it. You're like, you had the first one and second one. You're like, oh, these aren't even that bad. And then it hits you and then it's, they're pretty bad. Did you watch Man vs. Food? Was that something? Yes. I love yeah. that. Adam, what's his name? Adam Richmond? Yes. And so, like, I've heard him after after the fact talking about some of these challenges he did and just the physical toll it took on him. Like, he, rem- <laughs> he talked about a time they went to a place where he heard the people preparing his food say, Ah, let's just give him all this, you know, ghost pepper or whatever, you know, basically trying to just sabotage it or make, make it worse. Yeah. <laughs> but would you be down to do a food uh, challenge? Like the beers and beard food challenge number five, like how many corn dogs? You I would do. Yeah. Or I, you know, the, the, I don't know. I feel like I would do more of the spicy than the, no, um, than the, Amount. than the, the quantity. Yeah. Well, see, you're or maybe a, we could do like a mix. You have a petite figure, a and you I'm do, a I'm a full yeah. figure guy. <laughs> yeah, maybe we could do a mix. You do, you eat a a lot of something that's not spicy, and I'll eat a little bit of something that is really spicy. Yeah, we need. If you know of any challenges like that that are yeah. very specific, this podcast only we try to reach a very specific audience of three people. So yeah, yeah. So if you. Billy, if you're listening, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> like, what concession food? So you go to a football game, and we're going to talk about football right after this, but I think it's a good transition. Yeah. You go to a Ohio State University football game. What do you get from the concession stand? Usually hot dog. Hot dog is yeah. the hot dog or pizza, um, but Nine times out of ten, it's a hot dog. I feel like hot dog is the quintessential. It's easy, easy to eat, easy to carry. Uh, put them in your you pocket. Know, you can throw a little bit of mustard on there. Put it in your pocket. Throw a little bit of mustard on there. Um, especially for a baseball game. I don't really eat it at football games. Because um, you're drunk. But, yeah, I'm already too drunk to eat. Um, no, but at baseball games, definitely 
uh, definitely a hot dog. Um, you know, in terms of like the snack type things, I like popcorn. I love like ballpark popcorn. Um, peanuts, peanuts take me back to uh, to my days of watching the Columbus Clippers minor league. We'd sit in the stands and throw peanut shells in people's hair that were in front of us. That's a classic, uh, classic story. <laughs> Without them noticing, so you didn't want to be sitting in front of us at a baseball game. But uh, yeah, so there might not be. Well, at least in my area, there might not be football this year. Last week, I was all excited. They had the schedule released, and this week they took it all away. So. The Big Ten is out. The Pac-10 is out. Yes. Uh, the Max the out. I saw you called it the Pac-10 last week. It's Pac-12. This Whatever the fuck it is. It, it's not a fucking football <laughs> conference anyway. You know? Reggie Bush ain't playing for USC. Nobody gives a shit. That's uh, right. But the South is holding strong. I was listening to Paul Feinbaum today. He was on NPR. And they were talking about, you know, because he covers – he's on the SEC Network. He's got his own show. I don't too much care for him, but he was speaking some knowledge today. Um, in the South, and not so much Kentucky. We're a basketball state, but we sell out Kroger Field every game. It's just <laughs> – it's a social event more than caring yeah. about football. And we're mediocre. We, you know, we'll go to bowl games or whatever. Better than Vanderbilt. That's like the – the uh, the theme of uh, or the motto of Kentucky, right? Shut up. Better than better, <laughs> but listen, we we've we've had some upsets in our day. But he Which is said, the Ivy League of the South. Uh-huh. You look at Alabama. People don't get married on Saturdays during football season. The towns roll up. Imagine like Friday night lights. You know the uh, the show about Texas football and how everything closes to go to the football game. That's when you look at Alabama, Florida, Florida State. You know uh, Georgia. Th- these monster schools that are putting you know damn near a hundred thousand people in the stands every weekend. Yeah, it's a religion, and that's not to be taken lightly. And and I just don't see them pulling out. I don't. I don't think. I think. Yeah, there we talked about the super conference, and that's something I've seen floated around. But which I, I support? I think the NCAA is <laughs> going to have to take a, a stand. What do you think? Yeah, so yeah, you know, I think that uh, so Ohio State in particular has not closed the door to playing this year. They said, "Hey, if if there are people that want to play us, we we're gonna if there's a possibility of playing." You know, they're not going to play Big Ten games, but there's no reason why we can't get Ohio State and Alabama and, you know, on Thanksgiving weekend. Why can't they play three or four games? Um, I don't know. But, yeah, reading, you know, having read, uh, you know, the book Rammer, Jammer, Yellow Hammer, which is basically about, you know, following the, the tailgating of Alabama football for a season. And this was when – this was the Mike Dubose years of Alabama when they weren't even good. Um the, you know, the passion, how it, so in multiple parts of the country, I'm from Ohio, you know, football infiltrates, you know, Columbus on, you know, fall football Saturdays. And I think the thing 
about people outside of the South is football is kind of compartmentalized. So it's taken, it takes over the whole, you know, whatever town, whether you're in Columbus, Ann Arbor, uh, you know, happy Valley, um, you know, even, you know, parts of Los Angeles, Seattle, um, you know, if you're in the PAC 12, but it doesn't, it, you people compartmentalize, they go to their, their normal jobs on Monday and, you know, they daydream about football on Saturday, but they don't necessarily, um, leave and live and breathe 24 seven. There are some people who do, but in the South, you know, Alabama, Clemson to a certain extent, a lot of the Florida, uh, people, they live and breathe it 24 seven and there's no getting away from it. And I think the difference is that a lot of the, the schools in the South, the, the big football schools are in these tiny little towns that are, that's all they have. And if you, you equate that to Texas, you know, Texas high school football, that's all they have. In Columbus, there's a lot going on. People on uh, what day was that? Tuesday were upset about Ohio State, but you had you know the Blue Jackets going, and that's at least like a mini little distraction of like, hey, you know, playoff hockey in August, which is crazy. It sounds weird to even say, it is weird. but at least you had some sort of little tiny distraction, however small it may be. And a lot of the places in the South, there's not anything else outside of of college football. You know, in Tuscaloosa, the whole town is built around Alabama football. So, um, I I fully expect and anticipate that the SEC and the ACC will play football this fall. Uh, I'll be shocked if they don't. I'm going to say it's like a 90-10 right now. Um, the Big 12, I think, is like a 50-50. Um, but I think it, the, the difference between like the Big 12 and the Big 10 is – and the Big 12, Texas, you know, Texas and Oklahoma flex their muscle in the Big 12 because they know that, you know, everyone else looks up to them. Whereas in the Big 10, Ohio State pretends that all the schools are equal when they're really not. Um, like if Ohio State said to the Big 10, we're playing football this fall, the Big 10 will be playing football this fall. And they, that's the problem that I have. The issue, you know, there's no, uh, you know, there's no, Ohio State doesn't, doesn't flex their muscle and say, Hey, you know, we're having football this year, you know, whether you, whether the rest of you like it or not, they let Rutgers have an equal say. They let Maryland have an equal say. Scarlet Knights. Who gives a fuck? Iowa, Indiana, you know, all those schools. I don't care who you are. Football is the ultimate capitalism, right? The, you know, the, the haves and the have nots. And Ohio state pretends that, um, you know, all these other schools are equal and that, you know, Ohio state should have 14 votes or, you know, 13 votes and all the rest of the schools combined should have, you know, one vote each. That's how much Ohio state is ahead of the rest of the, of the big 10. Um, it'd be worth honestly, it. at this point, the big 10 is kind of holding Ohio state back to be, you know, yeah, th- but here's that's stone cold facts. And we debate this all the time. That's why nobody cares about, except if you're from Ohio or wherever. Nobody's no nobody thinks that those teams will win a national championship. You know, Wisconsin has had some powerhouse, yeah, has had some powerhouse teams. Ohio State's in contention every year, but always somehow gets screwed. (laughs) You know, and it's not not that they weren't deserving, but they'll be get left out. They'll get upset in the first you know, the first round of the, the playoffs or whatever it is. Um, 
But when you look at Alabama, you mentioned Clemson. Th- these are LSU. Yeah, spotlight schools that are winning national championships. You know, and there's a huge amount of pride. For example, you talked about tailgating. I have a, a buddy that's an attorney. We went. He got tickets uh, to Kentucky versus Georgia at Kroger Field. It was Commonwealth Stadium at the time. And so we were going to go tailgate. He had the parking pass. We had a spot in the blue lot, which I had no idea what that was, but it was prestigious. <laughs> we go in his pickup truck four deep, and we look like the fucking clampets coming in there because people have, one, been set up since Thursday. Grown people with jobs set up since Thursday in setups that rival my house. Big screen TV, smokers, grills, all attached, surround sound. They got volleyball nets. We got cornhole. It's We brought a cooler full of beer and sat out in the grass in lawn chairs and stuck out like a sore thumb. This is Kentucky. Kentucky football. I'm like, oh, my God. What have we done here? <laughs> and I think some people felt sorry for us and kind of, you know, rounded us up and brought them into their fold. But. <laughs> like, hey, do you want a steak? Well, fuck yeah, I want That's a steak. the camaraderie right there of, of football. I've got tailgating. I've got little Debbie snacks and some Slim Jims over here until the game starts. You know, <laughs> so that's just one example. Hey, if you, if you, I always say, if you're an alcoholic, you know, even Columbus, Columbus on you know, near, uh, Ohio Ohio State campus near uh near Ohio Stadium on fall football Saturdays is the best place to be because you can just walk around and people will hand you free beers at a tailgate. So speaking of beers I'm like a hot chick in a bar. Too, yeah. We we took too long this week to get into the beer. Um I'm gonna go beer first this week. Uh beer well, is brought to you this by far, Audible. Yeah. You've Yeah, you're probably wondering like what the one of these guys gonna talk about beer and bourbon <laughs> Why anyway you listen <laughs> uh beer tastings every week are brought to you by audible audibletrial.com forward slash beers and beards get yourself a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial i give you a book recommendation every single week since we talked about goose island earlier uh your book this week is barrel aged stout and selling out Goose Island, Anheuser-Busch, and How Craft Beer Became Big Business by Josh Knoll. Uh, one of the best beer books I think I've ever read. Um, kind of gives you the history of not only Goose Island, but craft beer and how, you know, quote-unquote big beer is, is starting to infiltrate craft beer. So that's a great listen. You can get that book or any audio book in a 30-day free trial, audibletrial.com forward slash beers and beards. Uh let us know if you're if you're a reader, voracious reader like I am. I've been going through a ton of books. This quarantine has helped me with with a lot of books. I read things I'm interested in. Um, one of the things I've been getting in, interested in recently is Trappist beer. Are you familiar with Trappist beer, Gary? Nope. And I think he's on mute. Should so. I? <laughs> you should be. So I'm gonna give yeah. you a little bit of should history be? before I go in, before I dive into it. So Trappist beer is brewed by Trappist monks, 14 monasteries, six in Belgium, two in the Netherlands, 
One each in Austria, Italy, England, France, Spain, and the United States. Currently produced Trappist beer is recognized by the International Trappist Association. So there's only a handful of breweries that can actually produce be you know, monks. Uh, this is very holy beer, and uh, one of the one of the breweries that I have always wanted. I've actually never tried this beer, um, but I've got Trappist Rochefort. So I've got their Belgian quad. I'm holding it up to the camera here. So this beer is like eleven and a half percent. Yeah, eleven and a half percent. This is a, a quad. So quads are kind of the dark beer of the uh, Belgian slash Trappist world. Uh, and Rochefort is um, one of the more. It's very sought after, but in the past, you know, five to seven years has become more and more. Um, available in the U.S. So this is their their heaviest alcohol beer. Uh, as you can see, it's pretty dark. I don't know if you can see it there. Uh, I got it in my snifter. I'll let it warm up a little bit here. Um, we got some good, good, like definitely fruity notes. Um, and I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read you in a minute. I, the uh, after I after I try it, just because this, this beer has one of the um, best. Uh, descriptions I think I've I've read in a long time so but I'm gonna try it um, dark beer oh yeah so it's definitely got definitely oh, got you some see boozy characteristics definitely bo- you know pretty boozy you know it's 11 point I think 3% but uh, you know super super smooth for for a beer like that um it's got a heavy like almost like coffee like like a creamy coffee like flavor um and just tons of like milky like that that's what i'm getting most from it um but the uh i wanted to read you the uh the description uh from the trappist brewery or Rochefort Brewery, uh, which is from Rochefort, Wallony, Belgium. Dominant impressions of latte coffee with powerful chocolate aromas on the nose. The alcohol esters are enveloped with hints of autumn wood, citrus zest, orange and lemon, and freshly baked biscuits. The initial taste is sweetly sinful. Beer and chocolate trapped into one single glass, a liquid, milky draft with a backbone of bitter malt. The alcohol warms the throat. I definitely got that. And in the finish, you will pick up traces of cloves, citrus, orange, and mocha. The heaviest of the Rochefort beers, the tin is a quad-style beer that can be recognized by its blue label. And I don't drink a ton of Trappist beers or Belgian beers, but uh, this is definitely one of the better ones I've had. Um, You know, there are some more sought-after Trappist beers, but this one is pretty fantastic this is one that it's like you know you get this these like you know late summer nights sitting outside you might get a little bit of a cool like you know down into the 60s uh and you want a dark beer this is the beer that i would pull out and uh comes across you know very well got the the chocolatey and you know i i get more chocolate than anything from it um at least from from my standpoint but very good beer, um, one that I would definitely pick up again. 
Nice. Monks. So this is from Belgium. This is imported from Belgium. Imported from Belgium. Uh, I think it's imported, you know, there's a uh, imported via Washington. So, the you know, the, the crazy thing about this is you don't know how, you know, how old um, a lot of these, you know, European beers are. But a lot of them, so I, I usually, if I'm going for a, you know, a, a, um, an import beer, I'll usually go for a dark beer just because they hold up a little bit better, you know, to the shipping across the ocean and sitting in warehouses and things like that. Um, a dark beer you can have sit around for a year and it'll still be just as good, if not better than, than the first day it was brewed. So yeah, definitely. Uh, um, this brewery originated in the 13th century and the current brewery dates back to 1899, which is awesome. Yeah. I would, uh, I don't know. That's a lot. That just reading the description is a little overwhelming for that beer. It's pretty crazy that I just can't say it. It it tastes like beer. Yeah. (laughs) This one has it's, it's very complex too. So it's not just like, hey, this is beer. Hey, this is a Belgian quad. Um, I've had some good Belgian quads. Um, and this one kind of blows most of them away <laughs> to be honest with you this is one of the better yeah. beers that i've had in a while so yeah this like is it. definitely a uh definitely a keeper give us give us that uh, book one more time barrel age stout and selling out which is the story of goose island selling to anheuser-busch there you go you can find every review or every tasting that we do and you can listen right from mmamckinney.com all the episodes are there everything that we've tried including our cocktail week is up there and today i'm i'm torn on my review david because i'll get into that but as always our bourbon is brought to you by beard octane beard octane makers of great beard products take your beard to the next level uh, have a beer that you can be proud of right now and still it might be standard, but it's still one of their, their talking points, free shipping on orders over $75. We just gave away $30 worth. Uh, so we hope to be getting some, uh, some feedback on that feature products this week, aloe shave gel, but might be something good for David, uh, neutral beard conditioner, biotin, which helps. You know, that's what's needed to help your beard grow. Uh, if you feel moved, go to beardoctane.com. When you check out, use code BEARS and BEARDS10. Save yourself 10% and help us out. Now, we've had some people use that code, world, too. So, yeah. Yeah. Let us know what you buy or what in the you, liquor what world, you uh, yeah. Yeah, it, Sorry, it smells ahead. great. I think I'm going to get some conditioner because I still get some flakes. So I need something to, to condition it. But talking to friends, you know, about bourbon and such, uh, and even looking on the internet, we've talked about Michter's. Michter's yes. small batch in particular. It's from Louisville. Um, I've, I've heard nothing but good things word of mouth. 
So my wife was at Costco. She picked me up uh, a bottle of the small batch. And this week, uh, as I'm doing my research, I find out not so good reviews on it. Um, one, the price point is like 38 bucks. So most places, most reviews, if you go online, will tell you, if you want to try it, don't buy a bottle, try it in a restaurant. Now I'll tell you the truth here in a second. Um, all right. But Mickers was just bought out by Brown Foreman for their, uh, for their distilling. We talked about small batch earlier. It's about 20 barrels per batch. Per small batch, uh, bottled at forty five point seven, uh, which makes it what ninety proof, ninety point something proof. Um, yeah, the packaging 91. looks good. It's it's a it's like an amber caramel kind of color. So you know my favorite part of doing this, right? The pop hit it. All right. <laughs> We're gonna put put a little in the glass. So this is this the first the taste. It's the first. Got to get I've some more had. pictures of the bourbon too. Yes, got to get a good bourbon. This picture has no because we get the good beer pictures on the Instagram. Well, I just got access to the Instagram today, so <laughs> David. Um, this has no age. There's no age label on this, so most things say it's a young bourbon. Um. And I, I don't, I like knowing how old it is. I don't know why. Not that it matters. It all gets you drunk. <laughs> this has a light. Wow, this is almost no smell. You gotta really dig in there on that nose. Interesting. Yeah, it's like real light. You get, you get the. I guess you would call it like. The new oak, maybe like it smells like it just came out of the barrel, or what I would hmm. what I would imagine a new barrel smells like. Uh, real light, and I'm I'm a light fan. Uh, I'm on Distiller.com, uh, looking at their reviews. Its average is three point seven eight out of five. Um, it's for I don't know what people buy on this website, but it's in the like the two dollar signs out of five it's almost 40 bucks uh but the tasty notes say a nose of pit fruits honey caramel and vanilla gives way to the palate of corn i don't get the honey at all i can get i can get the vanilla and maybe slight i want to say like i don't know let's taste it Oh wow! I think you would like this, Dave. This has got like a. This does have a sweet taste to it. Like, um, I don't know how to explain it. Like, now I wouldn't say fruity, but definitely like a lighter, sweeter taste. Not so much of that. It's not overwhelming. It has. Uh, you know, I love it when I take those deep breaths. Get that taste in. <laughs> Get the stone fruit, was, like a cherry, green apricot no, flavor. No, but it's but it's sweet. Peach. It's light. You know, it's um. I don't know. Almost like if you had an artificially flavored 
candy, you know, like a red, <laughs> a red uh, hard candy. You know what I mean? Okay. And I'm saying, and I'm saying it's like super sugary taste, but it has that almost like if you sucked on a, like a Luden's cough drop. You know what I mean? Like they're sweet. You get that. I don't know. I'm gonna take one more drink of this. That could be dangerous, man, because I think you could drink a lot of this. By the way, had somebody ask me this week. I drink it neat. It's room temperature and a glass. No ice, no chaser, nothing. Like a man. Uh, <laughs> That's how I think you would it. like this, man. I think I, I think you would like this bourbon because it's not. If you remember when we talked about E.H. Taylor, how it was just kind of overwhelming and strong. This is not strong. Yeah. At ninety proof, it's it's got a little more bite than say a Basil Hayden uh, and Blanton's. Definitely more bite than Blanton's, but it, it's smooth. Like it finishes more like a Blanton's, if that makes sense. Uh, when it's when, like before smooth, you yeah, swallow it, yeah, it, it, it doesn't like bombard your tongue with a burn. Now we've said this over and over. Every bourbon is going to give you a burn. Um, I don't know, man. I like that bourbon. It's, uh, I'm going to have to agree though. I don't know at 40 bucks a bottle that this would be my go-to. Like I'm pretty stoked that I'm going to have it in my collection. Um, just to pull out on a, on a Mictors type of night. Yeah. Just, just to, <laughs> yeah. Just to say, Hey, I got, you know, for maybe somebody's never had it. That's in the bourbon. You know, wanted to try it. And I think that's where I'm going with my collection is not so much that uh, not a daily drinker, you know, that's more of like maker's mark or even larceny probably now more so than maker's mark just cause the price. But if like, if we have a, a group and we're all like, Oh, Hey, if you ever had Mictors, well here, you know, get you, you know, drinking. I wouldn't mix with this. I think you're wasting, definitely wasting money and wasting the flavor in it. But Mixer small batch. Yeah, I think a US good mixer is like one. anything. Yeah, good mixer is probably anything what under think? what thirty bucks. Yeah, I mean, I Jim Beam is the mix. It would be my mix of choice if I mix anything. Uh, I might try Larceny in a mix, but to be honest, after last week and Larceny still sitting on my desk, I'm tempted just to fucking take a shot of it right now. Just take, just see what the difference <laughs> take is. Some. I would be really because I know that um, Mictors is not it's not considered a true rye, but I think it has a little it's a little on the rye side, so it's um, be interesting to see that versus a, a weeded uh, you know weeded bourbon to try those like side by side. Um, I'm brewing again this weekend, and I sent you. This is going to be I don't want to I don't want to spoil it too much, but. Uh, brewing this weekend. It's a dark beer, and uh, there's gonna be some fun, uh, some fun stuff coming forward. Um, maybe, uh, maybe a, a podcast Tiny related. House brewing on the map, son. Yeah. Now I, I'm having fun with the uh, with the home brew. Um, so we'll talk. Maybe talk a little bit about it in the next couple of weeks um, about what I'm what I'm doing this weekend. This is gonna be a fun one. So. Uh, so stay tuned, but uh, 
Also this weekend, UFC 252. Mm-hmm. We don't talk a lot about MMA on this show, but uh, when when there's a guy that we know, uh, yep. we got to talk about it. So Stipe Miocic defending Steve the heavyweight Mastin. title. Steve Miocic defending the heavyweight title against Daniel Cormier. It's a trilogy. We don't get a lot of trilogies in MMA. And I think that this Especially is one of those. Well, like, more so probably in the heavyweight division. This is one of those like more I think underrated, um, because when the first fight back you know a couple years ago, July seventh, twenty eighteen, UFC two twenty six, Daniel Cormier shocked the world, came up to heavyweight and knocked out Stipe in the first round, and people were and we watched shocked, it together. And that's yes. Uh, it was surprising. Uh, Stipe, I think, at that point, kind of looked almost unstoppable. He had just beaten mm-hmm. Arlovsky, Verdum, Overeem, Dos Santos, Ngannou. Like, you know, these back-to-back huge names. And I think that a lot of people thought that Cormier was going to be the next one, you know, the next scalp. And Stipe got knocked out, um, which... You know, really was he? He lost via TKO to Stru- to Stefan Struve, um, but the first true knockout of his career. Um, but then came Greg back Maynard last almost year, got him. almost got him. <laughs> then Stipe came back last year, TKO in the fourth round to win the title back at UFC 241 and the trilogy this weekend. I think. A lot of people surprisingly seem to be going the way of Cormier on this, and I don't get it. Um, Neither have fought since. Stipe, then, right? Stipe is, I think, still in the prime of his career. Cormier is forty-one years old. Neither, yeah, neither guy has fought since then. Um, you know, Cormier does only have two losses in his career. Well, two and a half. He lost to John Jones twice and lost to Stipe. Um, but, you know, Cormier is 41 years old. I think Cormier has a half foot out the door um, toward retirement. I think he wants to really, you know, go off into the sunset. Um, if Cormier wins this fight, I think a lot of people are going to be looking to that trilogy with John Jones. I don't think he wants any of that. Um, as much as he might say that he wants it, um, I, you know, I think he would rather not fight Jones for a third time. Cormier or, uh, Stipe is in, is 37 and I feel like just has, you know, I don't, I, I haven't looked at the odds for this, but I would guess a lot of people, the more money is on Cormier for this, but I don't see Stipe losing this fight. I don't know, man. Um, Stipe is one of those guys, when he was in on his streak, super active, had to stay in shape. He's he's battled some injuries. Cormier, I feel like, is always injured and always chubby. So he's, yeah. you know, it, it never looks like he's fully committed, uh, especially going back to heavyweight from, you know, losing both fights to John Jones. Um, 
I just I don't know. I don't see how the layoff for either one one has helped them. I don't know if this will be a great fight to watch. I might be surprised. But I and I don't see Cormier I just don't see him with the gas tank to to go at 41 years old. His testosterone's probably dropping. He stayed, you know, he, he's doing a lot of UFC stuff. He's got his podcast with Ariel now. Uh, of course, he's training with Tyler Minton, a guy I know uh, who is doing his strength and conditioning. If there's anybody that could get him tip top shape, it's it's definitely Tyler Minton. But I. Th- you know, I think it looks even on paper because they both haven't fought since their last time. Both battled some injuries. Um, so I, I feel like it's a crapshoot going in, but I agree with you. I, I think Stipe's just got the edge. I don't see how he loses this fight. And I'm trying to look up the odds here real quick. So Cormier is a one fi- minus 115 favorite. While Miocic is listed at minus 105. So that means more money is on more money is on Cormier to win this. And I like, like I said, I I've been a huge Daniel Cormier and Mark since early in his career when you know when he was fighting in strike force and he was super raw. Um you know, fighting, you know, basically, you know, tomato cans and, and going to uh you know he he looked good. He definitely early in his career, but he was fighting on the the old Strike Force Challengers series, you know, over a decade ago. Um, and I, you know, it's and I was there when he fought um, uh, in in Cincinnati. Uh, fought a um, Bigfoot Silva. Uh-huh. On the the Barnett versus Karatanov card, you know the the Grand Prix semifinal. Was that after Song Bigfoot beat, had upset Fedor? Yes, yeah. Saw him beat Josh Barnett to win the uh, the Strike Force Grand Prix, uh, you know, heavyweight title, um, and then you know really make his way into the UFC um, from there. Uh, you know, beat Dan Henderson. Um, and then you know, finally, his first loss was to, to John Jones. Um, you know, five years ago now, five and a half years ago, and it's been, I you know, I don't, I don't know. I love, I've always loved Cormier. I just think Stipe, he has this like quiet confidence that he kind of knows something you don't know, <laughs> and uh, he's always been that that quiet, you know. He, it's been he hasn't been you know the super marketable you know heavyweight champion that you know that a Cormier um, or, or some of the guys who before him have been. So it's been it's interesting. I don't know. I could be completely wrong. Maybe you know maybe on Sunday if you know, people will be, if you're listening to this on Sunday after the fight you're gonna say you sound so dumb. But <laughs> I don't see any way Stipe loses this fight. Yeah. So I'll leave I'll leave the podcast on this story. I think it was 2016 maybe. I just had a wisdom tooth pulled, but I promised my friend David McKinney I would go to Ohio <laughs> with him and cover an event and I was not going to back out. I'm we're talking a day after I had a wisdom tooth pulled. 
So I'm hopped up on ibuprofen. We drive to northern Ohio. Where would we go? Some fairgrounds? Talmadge. Yeah. And so I'm in pain, but I'm trying not to show it. Victor Ventresca bummed ibuprofen off me, and I'm eating them like Skittles. Um, so we're sitting there covering the fight. It was Matt Trukovich's RFO. Awesome time. I did commentary. And I'm there's some drunk jackass behind me screaming. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, God, I might, have, I might have to say something. You know, I'm just annoyed. He's literally right behind me. Turn around. Stipe. I mean, what, what am I going to say to Stipe? Shut the fuck up. Scre- My mouth hurts. <laughs> screaming for his teammate. Uh, I think it was JT Miller. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that was – I mean, we're literally – Best friends at that point. I don't know. I don't know if he remembers me. Maybe at the time I interviewed him back seven, eight years ago, it was one of the driest interviews I'd ever done in my life. And I don't know. He had just gotten the UFC. He was getting ready to fight Struve. And it was just weird. So he's way better now. Probably yes. thanks to me. <laughs> uh, also, speaking of MMA, shout out to the Worthy Brothers. Both have fights coming up. Comma Worthy fights at UFC Fight Night uh, on September 5th. Otman Azatar. Common spelling. You know, commas 2-0 in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, both wins. He had knocked out Devontae Smith and then submitted Luis Pena, which was a, a really fun fight uh, back in June. Uh, but Kama finally getting the quick turnaround. I mean, he waited, what, 10 months in between fights, and then now he's waiting three months. Um, so excited for him. And his little brother, Shaka Worthy, making his Bellator debut at Bell- Bellator 244, which is next weekend, fighting Mike Kimball on the prelim. So Shaka, his first fight since uh, last October, he won a fight at uh, Stout Fights. Um, but that, you know, that whole Pittsburgh crew, uh, I think John DeJesus has some exciting fight news coming up here pretty soon too. Um, those, you know, those Pittsburgh guys are really starting to make a name for themselves here. Stay ready. In the, in the big, in the big leagues. Exactly. Stay ready. Guys, if you made it this far, just want to say we love you. Thanks for tuning in. We hope we brought some enjoyment to your week. Day, are you coming this weekend, David? Are we going to wait to see? Send us your bourbon collection. Send us a picture of it. Yeah, send us a picture of your bourbon collection. Are you going to come, or are we going to wait to see if we can get into Saltstone? Yeah, we got to figure out. Yeah. Figure out if we can get in there. Um, give us... TBD. The, yeah, TBD. So give us give us the likes, the shares, all that good stuff. You can follow David on Twitter at MMA McKinney. Follow us on Instagram, Beards and Beard Pod. I'll post some pictures of all my nice bourbons. Still trying to figure out where I'm on, how I'm going to display them. Uh, why are you peeling the label off your beer? That's a sign of sexual frustration. Yes, I'm going to use it for uh, homebrew. Oh. Um. So yeah, thanks so much. Hit that share button, that like button. If you got some recommendations, some comments, you know where to leave them. David, anything you want to say to other people? No, I love you all, all three of you, all three of you, Angie included. <laughs> All right, until next week, we out. And I stopped.